This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. I'm coming to you from Nationwide Arena in Columbus, Ohio. Tonight, the Rangers will try for their fourth consecutive win against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Rangers haven't won four in a row since early November 2018 after their thrilling come-from-behind victory over Minnesota last night as they'll finish up this three-game road trip trying to get the three-game sweep. So I'll have the call on 98.70 SPN New York tonight with coverage beginning at 6.30. But there's a lot to go over here on a Friday, as there usually is. And I guess we'll start with something that just came down not too long ago. Bruce Boudreaux fired as head coach of the Minnesota Wild. I'm a big fan of Bruce. I really am. And I think he'll land on his feet. Uh, he has not won you know, the cup, but he's done well in Washington. He's done well in Anaheim and did pretty well in Minnesota. But the writing was on the wall for a while now. As a matter of fact, you could have made the case Boudreaux could have been gone a while ago, when you change general managers, you figure the coach is going to be on life support. And Bill Guerin wants to make this team in his own image, and he inherited uh, Boudreaux. So I think it's just a case of waiting for the right time to bring in his own guy. Uh, Dean Everson, who's going to be the interim head coach, and we'll see, do they go after Gerard Gallant, who's somebody that just went to a Stanley Cup final not too long ago? Uh, does he go to Peter Laviolette? Does he go to uh, any number of coaches that could be out there uh, as opposed to somebody that was actually an assistant to Boudreaux? But uh, give uh, Bill Guerin credit. He wants to be able to bring in his own people. Uh, right now, Minnesota's on the outside looking in for the playoffs. But the timing probably was right for Bill because they blew a two-goal lead at home in a game that they absolutely had to have to try to make the playoffs. But I just figured he was just waiting for the right moment. Bruce was not long for the Minnesota Wild once Garen took over as the general manager. So you're going to do that. You're going to wait for the right time, and you make it happen. Because I'm not really sure you can say that Minnesota is underachieving this year. I didn't think they were a playoff team. You can make the case that you're kind of surprised they're only three points out of a playoff spot. But I guess the timing of that blown lead uh, made sense for Bill, and we'll see what direction they end up going either in the immediate future or wait uh, until the offseason. You should never throw away an opportunity to go to the postseason in the playoffs. We've seen eight seeds make runs. We've seen eight seeds win Stanley Cups. I'm not saying Minnesota is anywhere near a Stanley Cup caliber team, but you got to be in it to win it. So uh, we'll see how uh, Bill decides to go from there. But I think Boudreaux would be an excellent coach someplace else. I think he'll land on his feet. He's got a tremendous sense of humor. Uh, he's a really good guy uh, to talk to and to interview, and I, I think the league is less when he's out of it. So I do think he'll get back here, but Minnesota decides to make that move. Uh, the other interesting story is the Zach Cassian situation Tampa Bay wins their ninth consecutive game. They're the best team in the league. Uh, they're right now the second best behind Boston, but this team looks like they're every bit as good as they were last year. They got off to the slow start. They're winning without Kucherov. They're winning without Stamkos. Uh, Sorelli was out of the lineup last night, and they just continue to win as they beat the Edmonton Oilers. But in this game, Zach Cassian, if you remember ago about a month ago, matter of fact, I think a month ago to the day yesterday, back on January 13th, he got into the altercation with Kachuk and got a two-game suspension. Well, last night, he is tangled up with Archibald, his own teammate, and Eric Chernak of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And he rears back and kicks Chernak in the chest. Now, no injury to Chernak. He got up and he skated away. And that is an important factor to throw in there because the league does sometimes, if not look the other way, does take into consideration if there's an injury on the play. So it may not be as dramatic a suspension uh, as it would have been, say, if he cut him open, if Chernak had to leave the game for good, if there was a long-term injury. Uh, that doesn't seem to be the case here. 
Um, I don't like Cassian's explanation afterward. He said he was being held by Chernak. He just wanted to loosen his leg up. It was just a knee-jerk reaction, literally, I guess, instead of figuratively, and that he didn't think it was a big deal when he did it because there was no penalty. There was no call on the play, and he just wanted to get untangled with Chernak. But if you look at the replay, he looked like he was more tangled by his own teammate Archibald than Chernak, and does that deserve that kind of reaction? This is not another sport where it's a sneaker that you're kicking into the chest of a player, all right, or a bare foot. This is a foot that's got a blade on it. You have to be conscious of that. So I understand that sometimes in the moment you're trying to loosen up, your reaction is to kick, do whatever you can to get untangled, but you also have to take into consideration what's on your foot. It's a blade. It can cut somebody. If you miss the chest and, God forbid, hit his neck, you can kill somebody. You have to be responsible for your stick in hockey. I think you also have to be responsible for your skate. So considering he's um, a previous offender, uh, he's got a record that he had just come off a two-game suspension just a month ago, we could be looking at something significant and significantly more than two games. I would not be surprised that this ends up being somewhere in the five range, but we'll see. Uh, he has waived his uh, his hearing. So we should hear pretty soon exactly how long it would be. So I forgive if you're listening to this podcast and the suspension has already come down. But as of this recording, which is a little bit before 2 o'clock Eastern time, uh, we have not gotten any word on a suspension, but I do believe it's going to be uh, pretty significant. So that's what's happening as far as some of the news items of today. You go back to... Uh, the games last night, and we mentioned the Rangers' comeback, which was pretty good. I mean, they dug themselves a pretty decent hole here as far as a chance to make the playoffs. They're still nine points back of Philadelphia that has the final playoff spot. They do have two games at hand on Philadelphia. They still have uh, games remaining against Philadelphia. But the one thing the Rangers have done is they've tried to narrow the deficit of the teams they've got to leap over in order to be able to get uh, that playoff spot. So they leaped over Montreal. They've already... Um, gotten closer to Florida with a game in hand on Florida. They're just uh, four points back of Florida. They've got a game in hand on Carolina. They sit five points back of Carolina. They'll be in Carolina next week, so they got a chance to make up some ground there. Uh, Columbus has 71 points. They're the second wild card, and Columbus is decimated by injuries. You know about Atkinson. You know about Jones. So if the Rangers can get a win tonight, they would climb closer to Columbus. But the Rangers do have the games at hand. Tonight will be just their 57th game. They're a plus-eight goal differential, which is good. Two games over NHL 500 on the road, which is good. And they've won three in a row. So I don't think they're going to make it, but they're certainly making it very interesting getting closer to the deadline, which is going to be coming up uh, not too uh, far away on Monday the 24th. And we've talked about it before. These deals seem to come down way before the deadline, but the Rangers still in that very like no-man's land of where do we go as far as do we make a trade, do we stay pat, and, and, I, and I said this on Wednesday, I think it's really just contingent on if they can get a deal done with Kreider. If you cannot get a deal done with Kreider, if you trade him, that can open the floodgates to make other deals. If they're able to get Kreider signed, then maybe they stay pat, don't move, uh, keep everything intact and see if they can't make a run this year. The Rangers are just trying to progress and get better. You know, last year, uh, when you look at where they were 56 games into the season, the Rangers had 56 points. They were 24, 24, and 8 with 56 points. After 56 games played this year, they're 29, 23, and 4 with 62 points. So they're showing improvement. They're trying to get better. It was never about the playoffs this year, which would be a third consecutive out of the playoffs if they were to miss. 
but uh, I don't think that they feel like there's a gun to their head to make any kind of move to desperately try to make the playoffs. So they may turn out uh, to be patient. Devil score four unanswered goals in the third, beat the Red Wings four to one. Islanders, do you get nervous if you're an Islander fan? They go to Nashville, they get crushed by a team that's pretty limited offensively. Five goals they scored on 26 shots. So the Islanders have had those moments. I mean, this is a lockdown team. There's no question about that as far as allowing a lot of opportunities, and their goaltending has been terrific. But uh, not great for Grice as he gives up five goals on eight shots. So they've had their moments where they do get beat up just a little bit. So the Islanders are, I think, a playoff team, but they still have work to do. They're in third place in the Metropolitan Division with 72 points, but they can lose that spot tonight if Columbus just earns a point because Columbus, again, is playing tonight, Philadelphia. They right now have 71 points as well. Now, the Islanders are in the same situation the Rangers are in. They've played only 56 games, so they've got games at hand on everybody. But right now they're on that West Coast trip. They've got to take on Vegas, so very scary moment here for the Islanders. They need to be careful because you look at the standings. All right, you're in third place. You're okay. Well, you're very close to falling into a wild card position, and if you're not careful and Carolina were to get hot, you could find yourself getting out of the playoffs altogether. Carolina right now sits five points back of the Islanders. They only have played 56 games, so Islanders got to get their act together. They've been a little inconsistent. You can't take it away. But that 15-0-2 run that they had, they've really lived off of, okay? They've been a good team, not great team outside of those 17 games. Now, you can't take those 17 away, but you also can't just go back to them either and say, that's really what we are when the games begin to pile up outside of that streak and show that you're a little bit above average. So that was a little disconcerting. So was the loss for Columbus. They blow a two-goal lead, lose to Buffalo 4-3. to So circle that as a, as a point lost for Columbus when they had the 2 nothing lead in the second period and lose to the Buffalo Sabres. Dallas, and we may see Dallas um, possibly crack the top five for uh, teams of the week because they they started to get hot as well. Third consecutive win. They beat Toronto 3-2. to two. Uh, We mentioned the Tampa win over Edmonton. They now have nine consecutive wins. Philadelphia is really putting hurting on Florida now. Florida's been a little bit of a free fall. They're out of the playoffs right now. Just four wins in their last ten. And they right now sit... Uh, as we speak, five points out of a playoff spot. So so Florida, much uh, disappointed. I thought they'd have a really resurgent year under Joel Quinville. Hasn't really happened. Philadelphia really scoring a ton of goals as of late. Very, very dangerous team there. And they can creep all the way up to the third spot in the Metro, as hot as they've been. You know, Arizona's kicking themselves. They're in that wild Pacific division. They're taking on the Ottawa Senators, and they lose that game in regulation. I'm sorry. You fancy yourself a playoff team. Fancy yourself as a team that can win a division. you got to get two points in Ottawa, and they got none. Still waiting on Alexander Ovechkin. Still two goals back of 700. Didn't score last night, but Washington did come back to be Colorado 3-2 to as they continue out west. So a couple of games now in which Alexander Ovechkin has gotten the national spotlight, trying to get to 700, and hasn't gotten there. Wild game in Vegas between the Golden Knights and the Blues. Golden Knights needed the win, and they got it in overtime. So that's a big win for them as the game-winning goal ends up coming off the stick of Marcia Show, who scores at 2.30 of overtime to get the win. He had scored earlier in the game as well. So just a wild game. That was the first game the Blues played without Bo Meester. Uh, he's, he's progressed. 
progressing well. The Blues said we'll have an update uh, later on next week. A defibrillator has been placed to kind of get the irregular heartbeat back to normal. So I'm sure the Blues were not 100% mentally for that game last night against Vegas. They did earn a point, but Vegas gets the big win. And Calgary puts a hernia on Anaheim by the final score of 6 to nothing. jumped out to a 4 nothing lead and never looked back as Talbot gets the shutout. So you look at the standings right now as we get deeper into February. It's Valentine's Day, by the way, so happy Valentine's Day. You look at that Pacific Division still very much wide open with Vancouver in first with 69 points. You've got Edmonton with 66 points, but no Connor McDavid for a while. Vegas now jumps into the third spot. They've got 66 points. So you see how tight it is in that Pacific Division. Also, uh, Calgary's got 66 points, so that's three teams with 66 points, and then Arizona's got 64. If they could have gotten a win in Ottawa, we would have a four-way tie for second place in the Pacific Division. I mean, that's how crazy things are. And for the Coyotes, that was their 60th game. So everybody in the division's got games in hand on them. So if for some reason Arizona were to miss the playoffs, circle back to that game on February 13th in Ottawa, coming away with zero points, and that's a problem. And Calgary continues to overcome having a minus-eight goal differential. Think about it. They win a game last night 6 nothing, and they're still a minus-eight goal differential. They've been disappointing at home 13-10-4. So if you count the four overtime shootout losses as losses, they've actually lost more games than they've won at home. That's inexcusable for a building that that's cool and that's alive. 17-13-2 on the road is pretty good. But if Calgary doesn't make it, they can look at their home schedule as a reason why they didn't do it. So things are just kind of getting crazy in the Metropolitan Division. Still very tight up top there. Washington 79 points. Pittsburgh 74. But Pittsburgh's got two games in hand plus a better goal differential. And they've been outstanding at home to Pittsburgh. 19-5-4. And, and we told you about the Islanders. And boy, things are just crazy in the uh, Atlantic Division now with Tampa creeping up on Boston. One point back of Boston. They've got the same amount of games played, but Tampa's just on the rise with nine straight wins. Don't sleep on Boston. They've won eight of their last ten as well. They seem to be okay unless they're playing Detroit. Oh, by the way, they're playing Detroit tonight. Five straight losses for Boston against the Red Wings. I would think that that's going to come to an end, or at least it better tonight if Boston wants to be able to hold on to the division. And then there's the drop-off after Tampa. Toronto's in third place with 68 points so right now it's just a battle for who's going to win uh the atlantic division well everybody boys and girls it's friday you know what that means that means it's the top five of the week don lagreca's friday top five now i really struggled with this one because i mentioned that you can make a case for dallas they've won three in a row but i just couldn't sneak him into the top five but here's a team that did make the top five Number five. I'm going to go with Colorado. They lost last night, but they've won eight of their last ten games, plus 45 goal differential. They're starting to warm up here. It was the Blues division, right, to win, right? Everybody thought that the Blues were going to run away with the division, but now here's Colorado. They're just two points back of St. Louis for first place in the Central Division with a game in hand. They've got more wins than St. Louis as well, 33-32, to 32, and they've got more row wins than the St. Louis Blues. So if those two teams end up tied you know colorado can find their way into possibly winning this division so i've got the avalanche cracking the top five number four all the attention has been on alexander ovechkin but very quietly the capitals have played well they've won six of their last ten they've been 
looked amazing on the road, 21-6-1, plus 31 goal differential. Uh, the Washington Capitals are going to have a dogfight to be able to hold on and win that division, but I have them sliding in this week at number four. Number three. What held Washington out of the top three has been Pittsburgh. Now, things have kind of slowed a little bit, but still 6-3-1 and one in their last ten games. You're playing uh, as banged up as any team can be in the National Hockey League outside of Columbus, and they just continue to find a way to win. Again, goal differential solid, plus 32. 19 wins at home, a solid 15-10 and 2 on the road. They're getting the quality goaltending, and I think they're going to even get hotter Washington's going to have a lot of work to do to hold on to that division because Pittsburgh is coming. Number two. Well, Boston just has to make sure they don't play Detroit, but outside of the ridiculous 0 for 7 and shootouts, eight of their last 10. And it, when I watched them against Montreal the other night, it's just amazing to me just how good Pasternak is. And, you know, a couple of years ago, it was about Bergeron, it was about Marchand. You knew DeBrusque was on its way. Pasternak has barely become, in a lot of ways, the face of that franchise. And the other thing that kind of blows me away, too, in watching the Boston Bruins is that Zdeno Chara can still be the contributor at his age. And he is so slow, but he is so smart on the ice, too. And they've really complimented him with the youth they have on the blue line. You know how good Boston is, and they're going to be among the best teams of the NHL all year long, but there's a reason why they're only stuck at two, and the reason why is because of number one. Number one. It was a routine last year. It was a joke even that when we did the top five that Tampa every single week was number one. And then they got off to the slow start this year, and it's all, well, what's going on? Well, I told you what was going on. I told you that they were probably not going to take the regular season as seriously as they did the year before, and that they were going to eventually find their pace. And once they did, they'd get right back to as good as they were last year. And now here we are. They have 81 points, just one point back of Boston for the best record in the NHL. They've got more wins in the NHL than anybody else with 38. they got the best goal differential of any team in the NHL a plus 53. They've won nine in a row. They are unbeaten in regulation in their last 10. And oh, by the way, their goaltender, Vasilevsky, has earned a point in starts now in 20 consecutive games. So Tampa, to me, is the best team in the NHL. And I really felt going in that this was going to end up being the team to beat no matter where they finished in the regular season, as long as it was going to be that they made the postseason. And if they can keep Victor Hedman healthy, that's a key. Because remember, he wasn't healthy last year in that playoff series against Columbus, and it really hurt them. And now they've got Stamkos and Kucherov on the shelf, but they still find ways because there's just so many good players on that team. And I think that's that's probably the team to beat in the National Hockey League. But hey, it's only February 14th, right? A lot can happen between now and then. But One theme that we've seen, whether it's Pittsburgh, whether it's Columbus, whether it's Tampa, you really can't use injuries as an excuse, right? It's one of those old wise tales. Oh, you can't use injuries as an excuse. Well, you know, you, you go out and get good players for a reason, and when you lose them, of course it's going to affect you. But when you take a look at sports, whether it's the Yankees in baseball, whether it was when the Eagles won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago by losing their starting quarterback and their starting left tackle, that if you are a championship-caliber team, that means you're deep, that you're not reliant on one or two or three really good players to carry you, that if you lose important players, other guys can step up. So if you're a borderline team... If you're not a great team and you suffer a couple of injuries, yeah, then injuries, I guess, can be an excuse. But when you're built to win the way Tampa is, the way Pittsburgh is, you know, Columbus uh, has got a tremendous amount of depth in their organization. They survive it because they're a good 
team. And I think that's what you have to look at when you use, oh, well, they're, God, they're banged up. There's no way they can win. Well, if they're a good enough team and they're a deep enough team, they can find a way to still manage losing players. And we'll see if Edmonton can do the same thing with the loss of Connor McDavid. All right, let's get to your tweets at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Let's go to Sam. He says, if Cassian doesn't get at least five games suspension, then the NHL can't say squat about player safety. I know all players wear chest protectors, but what if this skate slid up to Chernak's neck? Deplorable move. I agree. And, again, I would not be surprised if it's lesser because Chernak was able to walk away and they could say he kicked him in a protected area. But you're so right. You're talking about a blade in the vicinity of the neck. That could have been an absolute disaster. And he is a repeat offender. He just came off a suspension uh, no more than a month ago. It was actually a month to the day. I'm with you. And here's Sam's top five. He's got Philly at five. That's a good one. Colorado at four. Boston at three. Dallas at two. Tampa at one. That's a pretty good list. Troy, belated birthday. Well, thank, happy birthday. Thank you. Yesterday was my birthday. And I do want to thank, I, I said it on the Michael K. Show, but for those of you that listen to me on the podcast, the the reaction that I got on Twitter and Facebook, you guys are the best. I'm so proud to, to, be, a, to be a part of your lives talking hockey, and you guys really did a tremendous job uh, wishing me a happy birthday. So thank you. Is Gerard Gallant the type of coach that will get many into the playoffs? I mean, I think he would be someone. Oh, well, why not? Two years ago, he's, in, he's, he's coaching in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final. So I think he would be on the short list. It really depends on the relationship that he has with Garen, but I, I would think that he would be a good fit. I think Peter Laviolette could be a good fit in Minnesota as well. Daniel says, do you predict any surprise trades that might happen before the trade deadline around the league, aside from the guys who typically see on trade list uh, watch list? I don't know. I haven't heard any really rumblings. Um, you're here. I don't know if you would be surprised if Henrik Lundqvist was traded. Um, the word I'm hearing is that if he's going to probably get traded, it would be during the off season. So I don't know if that's going to necessarily happen. I can't. I don't. I really don't think that there's going to be any real surprises. I think the work that a lot of the reporters and journalists in the National Hockey League do is reading the tea leaves. So I don't think there's going to be anybody that could become available that hasn't already been discussed. So I'm not sure you'll see too many surprises there. Uh, Mike says, "Hi, Don. What team do you think does not have a playoff spot as of now due to injuries, and what team is not in the playoff spot?" With no injuries. All right, let me take a look at the standings here because right, who's not in the playoffs and you can blame injuries for them being out of the playoffs? I mean, Montreal's had their share of injuries, but I'm not sure that they're where they're at because of injuries. Same thing with the Devils. No, I don't think there's really a team that you can say, oh, we've we've suffered injuries and that's why we're out of the playoffs. I mean, everybody's had their share. I mean, Carolina's had their share. Florida's had their share. But can I really say that those teams are on the outside because of injury? I mean, nothing off the top of my head. In the Eastern Conference, I mean, Winnipeg lost players not because of injury. I mean, is Nashville in the situation there are because they've had to play without Arvidsson, that they've had to play without Ellis? Maybe. Maybe. Nashville, I guess. And teams that are in the playoffs because they've had uh, no injuries, well... Who really hasn't suffered any injuries? I mean, the Islanders have had a bunch of injuries. I'm not sure there's any team that I can think of that I'd say, boy, they've really done a good job keeping off, um, keeping away from the injury bug. Colorado's had injury. Dallas, they just, uh, they just um, lost Radulov. So, um, just off the top of my head, looking at it, I can't really say because injuries are so prevalent in the National Hockey League. It's probably hard for me to say that there's a team that really 
hasn't suffered a lot, at least off the top of my head. David says, happy uh, belated birthday. Hopefully you got some uh, hockey-related birthday gifts yesterday. I did. Uh, Bob Probert documentary I got on DVD. I got a couple of hockey books, so thank you. Um, changing gears to the uh, Bruce Boudreau firing, I feel he got a raw deal with an aging roster that never improved and failed to get past the first and third first round three of the last four years thoughts i i really just think it's not about we don't think bruce boudreau is doing a good job because again you can make the case they've overachieved this year not underachieved and i would think most people would say they're probably are exactly where you thought they'd be it's just that when a new general manager comes in he wants to bring in his own guys and i think bill just found the right time to make that move david says in honor of valentine's day when did your love of hockey begin great one you know, my father was not a huge hockey fan. I remember watching the 79 Stanley Cup final with him, and my father kind of just caught up, got caught up in it between the Rangers and the Canadians because he was a New York guy, and we watched. But, you know, my father wasn't a fan. I didn't get a chance to play. We were football and baseball people growing up in my family. And I remember my dad telling me when the Devils were coming to town, he's like, you know, you want to go to a hockey game, you know, the Devils are coming, and you're, dri- you're going to get your driver's license soon if you want to go. And one of my best friends, uh, John Stark, was a Devil fan. So we started going to games. And the first game that I went to, and I remember it because it's my wife's birthday, February 22nd, 1987. So a little later for a guy that, you know, was well, how old was I, 19 years old, I just turned 19, going to his first NHL game. But that was it. And, you know, there's Devils and the Islanders at, at the uh, Meadowlands. And the Islanders beat the Devils 6 nothing, And I distinctly remember, and I've talked about this with him, uh, the Islanders scoring a goal that went off the head of Claude Loisel <laughs> ended up into the net. And I watched that game, and it wasn't that great of a game, and it was a 6 nothing final, and we were rooting for the Devils because my buddy was a Devil fan. But I just fell in love with the speed. I fell in love with the atmosphere. And then I started going the games. And if you remember the next year, in 87-88, the Devils made the run to the conference final, losing in seven games to Boston. And my then-girlfriend, now-wife, had partial season tickets, and we went to every home game during that playoff run. So then I was hooked from there. And that's where my love of the Devils and became a Devil fan. And uh, I'm sure I always surprise people when I say that because some of you don't know that I did grow up in New Jersey as a Devil fan. But that's where, like, the love really happened. And it's just been an absolute passion uh, ever since. So thank you so much, Dave, for, for bringing that back up. Richard Rich says, with all of the winning going on for the Rangers and the minuscule chance of them making the playoffs, am I one of the few that still thinks Kreider needs to be traded for the Rangers' long-term future? You're not the only one. I, mean, I think a lot of people feel that Kreider should be traded just because you'll get a huge haul for him because he's having a good year. and he's. You, you put him on the St. Louis Blues, I mean, how good would he be in St. Louis, right? If you put him on Colorado, how good would he be there? But my but my partner uh, that I do the games with, Dave Maloney, says it best. You got to keep some guys, right? You can't just trade everybody. You know, when you're in this rebuild, there's got to be some guys that you strategically say we want this guy to be a part of it. And I can see people saying, and I can see the Rangers saying, Chris Kreider is somebody that we want to be part of this. But at the same time, you don't want to overpay him. And if you can't get something done by the 24th, then doesn't it make sense to get something for somebody you may very well lose in free agency? But, Negrichi, you're not wrong to think that because you would get something back significant for him. Chris uh, says, in honor of your birthday yesterday, the top five on Friday, what are your top five birthday gifts you received as a kid? I had to think about it, you know, because, you know, 
you, you remember you remember Christmas, right? I remember getting Atari. I remember getting a television set. For some reason, birthdays, and I got gifts on birthdays, but I can't, I really don't have anything that kind of jumps to mind as significant as the ones on Christmas. And I don't know why that is. Maybe because my birthday is kind of close to Christmas. I do have a quick story, though. Um, I got a $6 million man doll for Christmas. And, God, I love that. I I wanted that and dreamed about having it. That would be one of the top five. I I mentioned the TV. I mentioned the Atari. And my $6 million doll was huge. And I remember talking to my cousin at the time because we opened up the gifts and I got the gift and I brought it with me to his house because we'd opened gifts over at my grandmother and aunt's house. They lived together in Passaic, New Jersey. And I said, boy, wouldn't it be cool if I got another one of these for my birthday? And I remember my aunt coming in and saying, what's wrong with you? Why you you're so ungrateful. What one's not good enough for you. And I, for some reason that kind of just stuck in my head as you know what? I, I was ungrateful. I wanted that one. And now all of a sudden I'm thinking about having two, but maybe because Christmas, December 25th and February 13th are kind of close to each other. I, I really don't. I, I have for some reason more of a memory of Christmas gifts than I do uh, birthday gifts. Let's see. Let's get a couple more in here before we say goodbye. Aaron says, I know it's unrealistic for the NHL, but as a complete hypothetical, would you like the proposed MLB select your opponent playoffs or the current one versus wild card two or three or go back to one through eight? I think the current format is awful and needs to be changed. I agree. I would just go back to one through eight. <laughs> I know one through 16 is a fantasy of mine, but for travel purposes, that probably is unrealistic. I would go back to the one through eight. I really would. I don't like this at all. And the choosing opponent's interesting, but who chooses the opponent, right? Because you're not going to have a bye. So it, you, you already have – it's interesting, Aaron, because now the more I think about it, like how much of an advantage is getting the one seat, right? Um, especially under the current format. But still, you, know, you, you play the worst playoff team, yes. But with as bunched up as things are in the NHL, I mean, it certainly didn't help Tampa last year. They got swept by Columbus. Um, and all you really get from a home ice standpoint is the possible game seven being on your on your own ice. Otherwise, it's not that much in favor for you. So maybe that would be interesting. Like, would Tampa have chose Columbus, or would they have gone in a different direction? Like, obviously, they should have chose somebody other than Columbus because they got swept. But I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe I would like it. I'm really really on the fence uh, for that. Uh, and then finally, Sean says, Rangers are long shots for the playoffs, I know, but I'm enjoying this hot streak and hunting that wild card. Who has a better chance of slipping up and opening up the wild card race, Columbus or Philadelphia? Well, the easy answer would be Columbus because of the injuries that they've suffered, right? You're going to lose Jones for eight weeks. You've lost Cam Atkinson now for two, three weeks. They, they're they're on their, their – uh, you know, when you look at losing Bobrovsky, Corpusalo's on the shelf for the rest of the year. They've gotten tremendous goaltending from Merce Lurkins, but is that something that is going to last? So even though they've really shown that they can play with injuries, these are still pretty significant ones. And uh, I don't know, but then Philadelphia, they've kind of been so up and down. They've been a yo-yo now for the last half a decade, but I love Carter Hart. I think he's a good goaltender. So I'm probably going to say Columbus. And since the Rangers are playing the Blue Jackets tonight, they can certainly uh, edge closer to them with a regulation win. Rangers have a lot of games in the Metropolitan Division. Exactly half of the games they have left this year are in the Metropolitan Division. So that's good considering all the teams they're chasing. Carolina, Philadelphia, Columbus, the Islanders to a certain extent, all are going to be 
on their schedule. All right, this is a lot of fun. Again, thanks for the birthday wishes. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. And if you're listening to this podcast, I know you love hockey, and I know there's a lot of big games this weekend, but carve out some time for your significant other. And just don't be lame with candies and cards. Take them out to dinner. Do something nice. Maybe sacrifice a game or two just to be with your significant other. I know it's a stupid card holiday made up by Hallmark, but still. Carve out some time for your significant other because, believe me, they lose the face-off to hockey a lot of times, so maybe this day uh, they can actually uh, win the face-off on occasion. All right, thanks a lot for this. This is a lot of fun. Back with EJ Raddick on Monday. Uh, enjoy your weekend of hockey and love. And if you want to get in touch with me, at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll talk to you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct from Nationwide Arena in Columbus, Ohio. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct Podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.